in a former life, I might have been an engineer. Cause I just love like breaking things apart and putting together systems. And so um, I've had a couple of episodes with engineers and I'm probably going to keep having episodes with engineers because I think they're amazing problem solvers. I love how they approach um, solving problems with the process. Um, each problem is unique, but as, as you'll hear in this interview, um, a lot of them have a approach to uh, solve a problem that you can apply like in anything, in anything you do in life. And so um, I'm a, I'm a systems guy. Uh, and I think not everybody's that way, but I think everybody can learn from systems type people. So this is a good episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, we talk about energy uh, engineering. We talk about impact investing and we talk about uh, what I love systems. Enjoy it. All right, we are live with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. I'm Philip Washington Jr., the host, and my guest today is Nicholas Kendall. He's a, a energy engineer and project manager, and uh, appreciate you taking out time. Well, thank you for having you, me. You, you mentioned before the show, like you you got a lot going on. Appreciate that. Yeah, um, working full time. I'm also um, uh, pursuing graduate degrees too. Uh, MBA and a Master of Science in Project Management, and I'm in my last year of classes, and I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff with capstone projects and and everything. That's now you didn't say MBA and Matt. That's crazy. Yeah. How, like like how? What do you like? You got to write a time management book after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to be very detailed. Be um, be committed. Um, make sure that you don't overcommit yourself to other things. You have trade-offs with your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things take less priority than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, over the past uh, two and a half years, I've grinded through. Um, thankfully, how the program set up, I'm able, I was able to do both the MBA uh, core curriculum at the same time as the MSPM core curriculum. Did some of it overlap? Yeah, there, there are several classes that overlap and um, that, that's beneficial because they're, they're both under the uh, School of Business, mm-hmm. um, but project management's more so on project delivery, whereas with MBA you're looking at a broader spectrum in terms of the, the business aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what made you decide to do uh, MBA and the master's, the technical master's? So when, when I was approached about going to graduate school mm-hmm. and I talked with the school that I'm, I'm at, they mentioned that I would be able to do um, both of them. So I urged and figured it, it would be a good idea to, to not only do the MBA, which was, which was my primary objective, but having this other um, opportunity, I was like, let me, let me go ahead and do that as yeah. well. Yeah, nice. It's you're gonna be a unicorn, man. It's not gonna be a lot of people that have uh, your educational background. What, what made you go get in uh, energy? Um, well, well, out of out of undergrad, um, was searching for for work, and ended up getting on with a, a service energy company, and um, 
uh, was able to use my schooling to be able to help their, their organization out. Mm -hmm. And um, since then, I've stuck stuck with uh, with that path. Um, switched different portions of the the energy um, sub, uh, chain, but it's been worthwhile doing that. So, enough for those who don't know, um, and even for a refresher course for me, what are the different areas of energy, meaning specifically like when people say upstream, midstream, downstream, what does all that mean? So, um, like you mentioned, there's three um, major components, or three major uh, buckets that you can look at. You get the upstream, which is what uh, people typically uh, see in, um, in like media and, and on the news where they are extracting the natural resources from the ground, so the drilling, the fracking, things like that. Um, it, it's very important. It's, it's also a high risk, high reward situation because um, even though technology has improved over the past 20, 30 years, uh, there's still the possibility or the likelihood that you um, that an uh, explorer may may not hit what they're looking for. So that's the upstream portion. The midstream portion is where they take those natural resources that have been extracted from the ground and they transport them to a facility, whether it be storage tanks, whether it be a processing facility, or even a refinery. And they, um, it helps in terms of uh, being able to go in the middle of nowhere, like um, uh, different parts of West Texas, and being able to take it down to, to Houston. And they're able to take that and refine it and put, and, and put it in a, a place where it can be use, usable. So you go from midstream, then you go to downstream. And then downstream is where um, the, the end user gets the opportunity to, to use it. So for instance, um, the plastics that we have, the different, the, uh, the crude oil that is used to help prime our engines, the gasoline that's used to help get us from point A to point B, the natural gas that help, um, helps to heat our houses or uh, cook a good meal. Mm -hmm. um, that's the the downstream side of things. And they're like the refineries and the ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I always remember it is, I think of like Jerry Jones and the Wildcatters or upstream. Mm -hmm. You know, transportation for the most part is. I know it's not a great analogy, but transportation, the ones that move it, is in the middle. And then the downstream, I think of John D. Rockefeller, like he was the master. Uh, have you ever read his 800-page biography by Ron Chernow? No, I haven't had an You probably would like really love it. Like, it was like it was dope. Like the reason I think I'm in, I'm interested in energy, other than being in Texas, was reading that biography, mm -hmm. and it like it went through like all the way up to present day Exxon, you know, Mobil, which is basically Standard Oil, yeah. you know, recombined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, okay. So so, 2020. What's going on in the oil and gas industry? You know, prices have been low for a long time. People have been waiting for it to rise, and nobody thinks it's going to rise anytime soon. Uh, a lot of folks are out of business. I know companies are having to be more disciplined with the budget now. But what's right. you know what's what's it, happening? It's still there's there's still some nervousness in in the in industry. Um, I just read a um, a little post from the Economist Expresso 
um, with the um, the outbreak that's happened in China and gone um, to different countries, that they're even more nervous about um, the um, the revenue that they'll be able to generate or the employment they'll be able to provide to to do um, different explorations to be able to track that. So. Um, on the upstream side of thing, that's that's where it's a, um, particularly um, challenging. Mm -hmm. From a midstream point, um, from what I'm seeing, there, there's still um, the the need to get um, the natural resources from point A to point B so it can be refined. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be a need for for those natural resources to be used, um, particularly in the U.S. We're, we've got. We're, we're one of the largest consumers of, of, of oil and, of oil mm -hmm. um, to get um, get our cars going and things like that. But um, the emergence of China, they're, they're looking for ways that, that they can grow um, and um, other countries as well. Mm -hmm. So there's still that, the midstream, you can say it's like the like the steady, yeah. steady cash cow. Mm -hmm. So it, it's gotta be there. Plus there's also gonna be needs for repairs um, the downstream side of things, um, things are evolving. Um, organizations are doing um, what they can to um, be more um, sustainable, to to be more green. Um, they they're, they're putting in uh, research and development to help find that next energy source, mm -hmm. um, as well as provide products that will, um, will help the, the world out. Not just from just being more comfortable or meeting a need, but also making sure like the earth and, and the trees and the, the oceans um, are not as polluted or, or find a, a natural way to decompose those items. Yeah, and, I, and I'm assuming that's, that's where you are and most engineers are in the downstream improving processes or y'all can be all along the you can be the engineers are all along the process I, right now I'm, I'm, I'm working in in the midstream side of things mm -hmm. so we're steadily working on different projects that um that help get those products from point a to point b got it yeah mm -hmm. i want like is there a amazon of logistics in the uh, energy business yet um meaning you know because what amazon is the best at um is they have so much data on what different people want in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the reason why they can get us stuff in the day, nobody has better data on what the store wear. Like, they are the masters. So I'm like, I wonder if anybody's doing that in the energy. Well, they, there's, they're from, and going back to the buckets, there, there's been a bigger push in the upstream portion in terms of how, how organizations handle data. Now I don't, don't think particularly there. There's one or or there's one. Not, yeah, there's not there's yeah. not that big Amazon. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. multiple organizations that are that are doing it and that, that are pushing it and and helping organizations be able to make better decisions. Um, but it, it's something that's on the mind of um, energy players right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, so we talked about that. Uh, um, what are companies doing to to help um, outside of that make their operations more efficient, right? Because when money's tight, people are like, well, man, we have to, like, we still got to bring people on, but we got to make sure we squeeze every dollar. Right. Yeah, there's um, organizations, um, they're, they're trying to do more, um, more upfront, particularly from an engineering project standpoint, doing front-end engineering design. 
So you, you would look at a particular project, you would get um, most of the information together at a 30% or even 60% um, completion. They'll do their project portfolio analysis and see if they have enough funding to do it. If they do, they'll, they'll go through it. If not, they may delay it um, months or even years. Um, so they're, they're being um, more particular about that because of the, 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 um, the funding's mm -hmm. tight. But at the same time, they, they know there is a need for, um, for the product that they, they provide. And I'm shocked after five years, I talked to a couple of private equity folks and they were still like, you know, banks definitely are not lending, but even private equity, they're like, no, we're not really, you know, we're not really ready to put money in there yet. And I'm like, man, I thought, I thought they would be all on it because there's some relatively um, cheap companies that they're like, nah. And these were a couple of people I talked to, so there could be some in there, but... Yeah, I was like, man, money's still pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's even though like it, it may look like a good bargain right now, mm -hmm. there's still a high risk mm -hmm. that 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 organization may not meet the returns that that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. so, uh, that makes sense. What about um, uh, like so when you're looking at building the process, right? Because you're an engineer person, you're a process. What are um, I'm trying to ask it right. Uh, What's the process you use for diagnosing problems and then finding a solution? Is there like a consistent one? Uh, I know, you know, there's different problems, but do you have a process you walk through to say, here's how we diagnose, here's how we, you know, get a solution? Yeah, well, we, we, we'll get approached by a client um, about a particular uh, challenge that they have or, or idea on a project. Um, we'll go through and we'll do our research um, from different disciplines, uh, you can say mechanical, civil, electrical, and we'll, um, there's some, some projects are similar in nature, so we can pull off of, of past lessons learned. Some of them have unique challenges that um, we have to do a little bit more digging in. But as we're doing our research, we're, we're able to get to a phase where we can develop uh, documents that can capture what this would look like on paper and then um, as that goes through that process um, we concur um, with our clients and make sure that's that's what they're looking for um, if not we, we have to go back and make modifications and we also have to make sure that we abide by whatever standards uh, primarily with any US standard but also some organizations have their own standards that go above and beyond what the U.S. standards are. Mm -hmm. We're talking about um, E-Code of, of federal regulations um, from a U.S. standard. Got it. And so, and so, is there in your process? Is there any testing, like in the research phase, where you all kind of doing small experiments, or are you, or, or is it mostly looking at like documents and data and past studies to to to, di to, to diagnose or figure out what you're going to do? Well, is looking at um, looking at past data um, from a research and development standpoint, from from where where you're where you you've just posed, um, organizations would do that. Mm -hmm. But with where where I'm at, mm -hmm. um, we're we're looking at um, past data that's worked well with a particular project. Okay. Um, and if it's something different, then we, we got to make adjustments for it, making sure that we get the right um, size of pipe, the right fittings, 
the right flanges, the right um, uh, control systems. So, so, I, so I'll keep it simple so I can make sure I understand it. So let's yeah. say, let's say I'm a, you know, I'm a company. I'm like, hey, you know, our normal cost and time to deliver from point A to point B uh, is two. Uh, <clears throat> and if we can get it to an hour and thirty minutes, that'll save us a lot of money. Yeah. Right. So, um, like, where are y'all going to? Say, y'all basically going to say, hey, well, we looked at all these other different companies that have great processes with a similar company as yours, similar drive time, and see what they're doing, right? And kind of walk them through the different options. Is that kind of what y'all are doing? Yeah, yeah. They'll give. Yeah, yeah. If we got to meet a certain um, rate or speed, we'll we'll look at. Hey. Could we do something different in this portion of, of that stretch of, um, let's say, pipeline? Mm-hmm. Can we can we increase the horsepower of a pump, or can we um, could we suggest using a, a different size of pipe to help you meet your your daily demands or even uh, monthly demands? Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, we we we'll we'll, kind of, we'll go back and forth with the client to make sure sharing will work with the solution they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, let me go back here. And uh, my computer just shut off. My little. Let me go back to my notes. Okay, so you already answered my other question. So I'm going to go into a different one. So before we were talking about um, impact investing. I'm like actually curious about that. So, you know, what's considered impact investing and like what's your experience of what you're seeing in that, in that, in that industry? Okay, so impact investing is a, it's a hot topic right now. Um, essentially, it's, it's similar to any type of investing but there's a sustainability component. And typically, you're, when you're doing impact investing, you're working with um, uh, small to medium-sized enterprises, usually developing countries, and you're, you're trying to help those organizations not only succeed in, in their endeavors, in their goals, their objectives, but also be able to have a lasting impact in their community and ultimately their country and in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then would it also be considered, let's say, we do impact investing into like, you know, South Dallas, where, you know, it's like a third world country, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see that going on in America, or is it a lot of uh, out of the country? Well, it's happening in America, mm-hmm. but from from a... If you look at it from a, a world's perspective, there's more focus uh-huh. on mm-hmm. on different continents like Africa, like um, India, mm-hmm. things, uh, places like that, and South that, America. And it doesn't have to be energy, right? It can just be, it no. can be education, it can it, be education. Yeah, agriculture. Basically, that's, what, that's the whole thing that um, uh, Bill Gates is doing, right? Everything that he's doing for the most part, I would assume, is considered impact investing yeah yeah I, yeah that's a that's a good um example have you watched the documentary on uh, netflix no, I, I haven't yet <laughs> yeah, yeah it's on my little wish list but i uh, i just i'm this is uh uh the season where the 
DC shows I watch on CW are back on. Oh, I'm man. so behind, so I'm just, I'm just trying to catch up on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, that so that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, one last question before we get to the uh, fun questions, just about um, energy in in general. From what you're looking at, where we have like the global growth slowing down, energy prices low. Um, there's a rise in renewables. Or some people talk, or some people basically saying, hey, this may be the new normal for energy prices for a while because it's kind of like, um, uh, and, and you also got other factors like um, 20 year olds like don't drive and don't want to drive. And I'm at a point like, you know, I'm an old millennial, but like in my financial plan is um, a goal of having the money to just pay for Uber every month and never have to drive, right? And I'm like, I wonder how that's affecting like long term. Those trends have to affect energy, right? Right. I mean, yeah. And and they're they're trying to to figure out a way to shift their portfolios to meet that. Okay. Yeah, they're putting in, they're doing investing in, in renewable resources, alternative energies. Um, but I think one of the big things you didn't mention Tesla. Yeah. And how they're, they, you know, they're they're um, what happened this past year. Is phenomenal, and that's going to have. It had a. It already had a, a ripple effect in the car industry, but it's going to have even more. So and, let's talk about it for the ones who don't know. Like, what, what was the big thing they did this year? Oh, um, they they met. What was it? They they joined the. What was it? The billion dollar club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, billion dollar. Yeah, that, that, and I think that uh, there's no other car company that's done that. No. Not even the Florida. That, yeah, and that's surprising given that they, they have a longer mm -hmm. um, history. And, but... To, I think it's a hundred billion. hundred, hundred billion, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty amazing, and um, they get a goal, they're going to try and keep it. And, yeah. Um, and not just in, in vehicles, they're doing all sorts of different things. Like, they've got a, um, a tunnel experiment going on in... Um, uh, LA, uh -huh. where they got little pods that you can get around and shoot underground. How's it going with the earthquakes there? That, that's that's kind of scary. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, got the SpaceX. So they're, they're doing a, doing a lot of different things to um, mm -hmm. to leverage uh, renewable energy. Have, have you have you dug have you have you dug into like cause this is what I don't know, right? So you know, with an electric car, it plugs up to your house. But your house, for the most part, will use natural gas. Um, so um, I don't know how, but how much natural gas does the charging use? Do, do you know? No. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's when I was, I was like, I wonder how much natural gas the charging actually. If it's like not even going to be around the air compared to, you know, the input into gasoline. Yeah. You know? and, and you you talk about natural gas also with um, solar energy. Mm -hmm. um, I think the airport in Nashville, Tennessee, they're powered at 100% on like um, on solar panels. And then Microsoft, like we mentioned with Bill Gates, mm -hmm. they've got a push over I think the next couple decades to go 100% renewable. That's crazy. Yeah, I like that yeah. a lot. I like that a lot. Um, and and then I'll tell you one last question. This is a question I want to start adding to every interview too. Um, the, the, the newer engineers who were um, getting into the industry, any advice that you would, you would give them? Um, it, it doesn't have to be energy, 
actually let's do it for energy. Any engineers who are decided to, to energy or they don't really know where they want to go, mm -hmm. um, what's your advice to, to other engineers? Learn, learn as much as you can. Um, you may not use all of that information at the same time, but you, you, will, you will have it in your hand and you can be able to pivot and, and go different directions. Mm -hmm. So learn as much as you can in your industry, um, even stuff that's on the peripheral of your industry, network with people, get to know them. Mm -hmm. um, you never know, that, that might be your next boss. You might be their next boss. Right, right, no, that's good. So here's the fun questions. What, what are your favorite restaurants to eat in, in, in Dallas or DFW? Yeah, I, I like, um, like quite a few, I like, Pecan Lodge, I like the porch, um, I like Heinz Barbecue um, in Fort Worth. That's in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I was trying to tell somebody about that one, and that's the name of it. I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, they, give me, they opened up uh, across the way from Love Field mm -hmm. um, this uh, this year. Um, like Velvet Taco. Um, There's it it quite a few. Yeah, I, I, get, I get around. There was a spot I went to this past weekend in Frisco. I forgot the name of it. Restaurant, fantastic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about shows? What shows you like to watch whenever you shows? Like, you don't have any downtime now. Well, no, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. I was talking with one of my classmates about this. He was like, he was surprised I was able to squeeze in, keep up with like how to get away with murder, mm -hmm. with Empire. Um, I was I got a text yesterday. Um, I'll keep up with uh, Better Call Saul, and it's been off for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. They're they're starting back up um, in a few weeks, mm -hmm. so. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna get that in. <laughs> so, but there are some shows such as Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. um, Power, Billions that I want to watch, but I want to binge watch them. Right. But I'm waiting till school is finished, and then I'll, I'll jump on those. Yeah, I think I, I watched season one and maybe half of season two of Billions, mm -hmm. and then heard about Silicon Valley, and I just I was like, I'll just wait. Maybe like in the summertime, I can just like. Get the get the stars or HBO or whatever, and just kind of go through them. The summertime, only thing is on the summertime is like Ozark, right? You know, or reruns of yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, what about movies? Movies, um, big big movie fan. I, I I try to each year watch all the Best Picture nominees. Mm. Um, actually, I watched one of them uh, this week. Um, I've seen how many of them? Probably about five five of the can't think of how many there are, but I've seen the majority of them right now. Mm -hmm. I've still got a few left. Um, like the Star Wars Saga, um, like uh, I watched Bad Boys. Uh, how was that? Yeah, that, that was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked it, yeah. yeah you could tell um, uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are a little bit older, <laughs> but they, it, was, it was a solid story. Yeah, so, I heard like, a, like the, uh, and somebody was telling me, comparing to Fast and the Furious, and I'm like, they were Fast and the Furious before Fast. They were kind of like right. the, probably where they got the idea. Because when I saw Part Two, because I don't like Fast and the Furious, I'm one of the few. And I didn't like Part Two of Bad Boys. So I was like, it's just too much. That's how I feel about Fast and the Furious. But when somebody said that, I was like, yeah, it is. That was Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and then Fast and the Furious, they going on nine, ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got like a Netflix cartoon show about Fast and Furious. I got young kids who were going through. I was like, what? It's a cartoon? <laughs> they make, they're making money off of it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, what are, so, um, books and podcasts, what are some 
podcasts you listen to and or books you read or listen I'm, to. Have you heard uh, Just Killing Time? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was, he hadn't done one in quite a while. It's a comedian called, Mar, uh, his name is Moranzio Mar, Vance. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to his podcast. He, he used to go a couple hours on his podcast. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to his spots. So mm-hmm. I like your, your podcast. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're putting out some great content to, to help us out, be, be educated learn more about different different aspects of life so yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, any books yeah. books yeah um so um one of the books i read recently was of uh, dan uh arelli and it was about um the dishonest truth about dishonesty hmm. and how we are given opportunity we'll, we'll be we're subject to be dis- dishonest and he goes over a couple of different uh, cases and studies that he's done on his own to look at the different angles. Um, mo- most, a lot of people end up not doing a, a big dishonest thing. It's more of the little things that add up to where it becomes a big thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I like that. I love psychology. Did, did, did he go into like why why people do that? Like why do we look, like they just want to lie to ourselves? There's a lot of people like All right. Yeah. Sometimes it is like we're trying to help somebody else out, mm-hmm. and we we don't we 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 make we feel like oh we we didn't we did something, but it wasn't that bad. Just stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, that can be a whole podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because me, me, matter of fact, me and my buddy this morning we do breakfast every every Friday, talk nice. about business, and and um, you know um, we we were talking about some political topic, and and he said something like, "I'm an independent," and I say, "That's one of the biggest lies people tell themselves." <laughs> I say, "What do you mean? I I voted this way. I voted this way." I say. I say uh, this way, and, and at the core of it, right? You people are either going to be like, forget about the, I say, forget about the label of the parties, because those change. Right. But at the core, you're liberal or you're Democrat. Right. I said because you know, look at the Civil War, the Jim Crow South, and the they were all Southern Evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. but before they were um, Democrats. They became Republicans, but they're the same people. Like the same people who were Republicans in the South, the conservatives today were the slave owners, right? And and that's not they're not slave owners. Today, I'm just saying, right? Yeah, I'm saying yeah. ideology. You're gonna so you know um, you may vote a different way because um, this candidate might piss you off. But at the core, you know, um, you're either or. Like there's nobody who's a you know liberal and conservative. And he's like, ah, you're right. You know, but that, that's when a lot of people tell themselves so they can feel like. Oh, I'm, um, I'm objective. No, you're not objective. Like we're all biased, right? Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. if you and if you understand your bias, I think then you can make uh, better decisions because because you recognize it. Have you read the book um, Discrimination? Not that, not that. Um, what you call it? Uh, Thomas Sewell. Um, oh, yeah. Um, not the. Uh, uh, I'm thinking yeah, of, it is discrimination and discrepancy. Okay, I'm thinking of Thomas Piketty. Yeah, Thomas Sewell. Yeah, uh, Thomas Sewell. He's an um, economist. Um, black, black guy. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. read his book, Economics. Uh, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I read that book. It is like what you were talking about. He brings up in his book about we all have uh, biases, mm-hmm. um, regardless, and we all have our biases, regardless of 
uh, where you come from. It's just a matter of how how are you gonna uh, navigate that. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's solid book. Uh, 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 but what's it called again? Discrimination, uh, discrimination and discrepancies. I, I, I love, yeah, you, you gave me two good books. I'm gonna read, man. Cause I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, yeah. Yeah.